Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, let's go, everybody. What is going on? It's another episode of the podcast, The Sweep of the Nation. It's One Man's Opinion, everybody. How are you? Happy New Year. If this is the first time you're tuning in in 2024 year, uh, welcome. If you're catching up and binging the pods, so welcome to it. Hopefully enjoyed the last episode talking about Justin Fields. A lot going on in that variety as well. A good reaction, good conversation had about that. It is looking right now like the Bears are probably going to draft Caleb Williams. That's where we sit here in the dead middle of January. But anything can happen just because it's my opinion doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen and speaking of that that's what we're going to do in this episode welcome to it thank you first and foremost for taking the time thank you for downloading liking favoriting subscribing downloading commenting on telling a friend about this podcast it is a passion project that is for sure and we thank each and every one of you for taking the time and making it a part of your day however you've chosen to do so uh love it and if you share with more people and uh, appreciate it. Give me ideas. If you, there's certain topics you want now that it's the off season, sort of off season, the uh, off uh, regular season from fantasy football, at least. Well, I can get to a lot more research projects and things you want to break down and things like that. So uh, that's what we have going on and appreciate your support and your continued support. Remember, this is a uncensored podcast and uncensored podcast. That means I'm going to say all the dirty words. I'm going to also talk about topics that like religion and politics and race and sex and violence and I don't know, all kinds of stuff that is for adults only. If you choose to have your kids in the background or if you're playing this at the gym out loud or something like that, that is up to you. And uh, I'm, I'm absolved of responsibility because I'm warning you first and foremost So I will say the dirty words. I'll say the things like that. So this is for thick-skinned individuals. And uh, obviously, this is episode, what, 191? I think by now, you don't know that. I wonder what the hell is wrong with you or what the fuck is wrong with you, quite frankly. I could say that because that's the airways we're on. All right, uh, let's dive in. So today, a lot of, you know, there's so much to get to. I will talk a little wild card round NFL playoff recap. I'm going to look ahead to the divisional round in uh, the NFL as well for the playoffs. I'll do that. I also uh, promised you last week I would get into my playoff and postseason predictions from beginning of the year that I did back in August. I will recap those because we believe in transparency. You know, that's what we do. Speaking of which, my name, in case you don't know, should introduce myself. Jeff Mans is the name you hear me. I host a show called Elite Sports on Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Radio, Channel 87 on your Sirius XM dial every weekday afternoon from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern time over there. I'm also a part owner and the chief content officer over at fantasyguru.com. You know, we are quietly the largest active community in fantasy sports. I'm very proud of that. It's the only place where you can get all of our analysts on site in Discord. You could ask me a question 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
right? Like you have access to me at all time. A lot of folks in my industry and a lot of uh, sports bettors, DFS players, uh, high stakes fantasy players, you know, they don't give you access. They, they live in the shadows as uh, they say, right? And that's just not something that I do and you get access to everything. It's all there. It's for your viewing pleasure always and uh, you know in perpetuity. You go back and look at my 2021, 20, I, go back and look at my 2016, 2017 football stuff and it's still posted over there. Um, so again, that's what we believe in. That's what we do. That's fantasyguru.com, 39 bucks the rest of the season, includes the off season. Folks, the free agency period, the NFL draft portion, which, my God, if you don't get 40 bucks worth of draft information, then I don't know what the hell's going on. You also get the entire playoff betting, DFS, seasonal, all of that over at FantasyGuru.com. And if you just get that VIP package that includes all sports, you get our fantasy baseball draft guide. You get all NBA, everything we do for NBA, which is a ton. Justin Fensterman, Armando Marsal, myself, I I am hopping in this week officially all in NBA as well. I'll have bets just about every day, probably about six days a week for my own personal bets over at fantasyguru.com. Hop in that discord and enjoy your time, folks. We have a lot of good. We'll have a lot of fun energy over there. That's for sure. It's, again, it's the place you want to be. Follow me on social media at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. So there we go. All right, let's uh, recap what happened in the NFL this past weekend, give you some game-by-game -game breakdown. Uh, we'll get into the my predictions and go through all that. I've got a lot to talk about. It's quarterback week on the SiriusXM show, so I got a, I'm, like, overloaded with quarterback information. You know, we, I did that a lot last week when I talked about Justin Fields and similar players and quarterbacks and all that. So quarterbacks are on my mind. So I'm going to do the best I can to give you other types of analysis here as well. Let's start out Browns and Texans recap on that game, right? Uh, CJ Stroud's a fucking killer. The guy's a fucking killer. And, you know, it goes back. I ran a poll uh, at Jeff underscore man's on the old uh, Twitter machine this past uh, week. And, you know, I simply asked the question, who is the next five years, which NFL quarterback do you want? Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, CJ Stroud. And I put out Caleb Williams as well. Turned out the first three were all very close and evenly distributed and Caleb, nobody thought about, which is good. I think that's smart. Real fucking good. 2.6% on Caleb, but 41% of people are already sold on CJ Stroud and would rather have him for the next five years than Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Now I didn't tell anybody what my choice here would be, right? Like I didn't tell anybody what my choice was going to be. And for me, it was obviously not Caleb Williams. And I, I have, I'm not hating on Caleb. It sounds like I wanted that to make that more clear on the last episode, but you know, there you only he didn't win a ton in college. He won a lot, not enough. He didn't win everything. 
Stroud won just about everything, you know, took Georgia to the wire and Caleb played with the best offensive mind in the college football game and Lincoln Riley. And we've seen plenty of Lincoln Riley disciples come into the league and not fare nearly as well as they did in college. And then he had a terrible second half of his last season. So all that, he was clearly out. And I'll say, I wouldn't choose CJ Stroud either for the next five years. Simply because we've seen one-year wonders before. Derek Anderson comes to mind in 2007 for the Cleveland Browns. Like there, There's one-year wonders at quarterback all the time. Now, I believe I had Stroud above Bryce Young. I was right on C.J. Stroud this year. Let's be fucking clear about that. However, I don't think that means he's better than Mahomes or Allen going forward. I would personally want Josh Allen. I think that, and it's close between him and Mahomes, super obviously. Allen relies more on his legs. Josh Allen right now is the guy I want more than anybody. It's just, there's no better quarterback in football. That includes Mahomes. And that's not to say you couldn't build a better offense around Mahomes and Mahomes won't put up better numbers. That's Allen is able to look at what he's done for the Bills. And I'll talk about that game in a minute. Josh Allen makes up for a ton of mistakes. He makes up for his own fucking mistakes. People that, if your argument against Josh Allen is, well, he turns the ball over a ton. And now the right. And he still won 11 fucking games in a playoff game this year. Like he does do that. And he, oh, he is so fucking good. He overcomes that. He doesn't have a great offensive mind. He doesn't have a great defense any longer. Bills, I said on the air, everyone got mad at me. They have a good defense. Was not great this year. It just wasn't. And he overcomes all of it. He had problems. His number one receiver and him even fell off. And he changes games. So I, I worry about, you know, he's 27 now. When he gets above 30, is he going to be able to run like this? I don't know about that. So that's my temptation to go elsewhere with Mahomes. But uh, anyway, that was my breakdown of that tweet that I sent out earlier. And 41.4% chose CJ Stroud. 33.3% chose Patrick Mahomes. 22.6% Josh Allen. And just 26 for Caleb Williams. That's out of 4,000 plus votes. Uh, at Jeff underscore man's as well. So very interesting results. I love CJ Stroud. I love what he did. And he did it against a great defense. You know, Brown's defense had fallen apart later on in the season and Flacco ultimately, you know, turning the ball over the, the pumpkin. It turned back into a pumpkin for Joe Flacco and rightfully so. There's a hell of a hell of a outing though for the Texans at home and, you know, Stroud threw three touchdowns did great only threw the ball 21 times and threw for 274, right? Like he threw for 20, what, seven or like 31 more yards, I think 30 more yards than Flacco. And he threw the ball 25 less times. I mean, come on. So outstanding for CJ Stroud, outstanding for a young Texans team. (laughs) They're, I mean, they're in a lot of trouble going to Baltimore, but it's fun. You have nothing to lose. Who knows? Who the fuck knows? Dolphins and Chiefs game. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of things we need to take away from the Miami side. Mike McDaniel's got to be put on the hook. 
He has to be. We can't let him off the hook, folks. We just can't do it. This team was 10 and 4, 11 and 4 at one point. I'm sorry. You know, they they were 5 and 1 at one point, 9 and 3 at another, and they lose 3 out of their last 5, 4 out of their last 6, right? Um games that they won, struggled and could have gone either way against the Cowboys. That was their lone big win. Not a good road team this year. Very good at home when their opponents were sitting in the 100-degree-plus heat. Mike, it's two years in a row, man. And you want to use injuries as an excuse? I think it's fair because they were fucking destroyed, utterly destroyed from injury. There's no question about that. On the defensive side of the ball. But listen. We have talked about quarterbacks lots. So that's where my brain is right now. Are you going to give Tua Tonga Vailoa forty plus million a year? Because that's on the table this offseason. That's what the Miami Dolphins have to do. Would you give Tua Tonga Vailoa forty plus million a year? That's the question. He led the National Football League in passing yards. I'll give him that. He you know he threw for a lot of yardage. But we couldn't use him in the fantasy game hardly at all. He didn't throw for a ton of touchdowns. He was average at best with whenever Tyree Kill would leave the game. And he doesn't run whatsoever. And we know about the injury history and concussion history. I mean, I don't know what to do, right? It's... It's unfortunately that's one of those. I think that's the hardest decision anybody has this upcoming. And the fact is, the Dolphins just don't have that kind of money. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward with them. But they got their asses kicked. They had no business being here. I mean, that was a team that completely fucking faded away this uh, this season down the stretch. Miami and Kansas City won. I thought it was going to be a great game for Travis Kelsey right out of the gate. Had like two of the first three catches of the ball game. Ended up with seven for 71, which is his best game in a while, but still kind of blah. Do you know, notice what I notice? Patrick Mahomes is great. I'm, I don't, I'm, we're not going to take anything away from what he is or what he's done. None of that. He's a legend. There's no fucking doubt. But this offense is as good as Isaiah Pacheco. That's it. Pacheco, this offense goes as Pacheco goes. I think we're going to see that against Buffalo in the divisional round. It just does. Rasheed Rice is clearly, clearly the alpha wide receiver, right? No question. Usurping Travis Kelsey in that regard. And But the run game sets everything else up for the Kansas City team. And the Dolphins just weren't interested. So, I mean, it, I don't think that's breaking news to anybody. The Packers-Cowboys game, this is a shock to all of us, I'm sure. And listen, don't don't fucking, don't be that idiot. Don't be a, that dumb, that guy. If you knew the Packers are going to win or you thought they had a chance, you could have bet it and you would have won your ass off. If you don't have the betting slips, I don't want to hear your bullshit. I'm so tired of the people that claim to know everything and, and better yet. And again, I understand there's, there's a fine line. I am out there in the open. I'm in the public eye. I get ridiculed for shit. And when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I get it. I, I, I understand the dynamic. 
between listener and reader, subscriber, follower, and my analysis. I get it. I think there's a lot of, you know, obviously I always feel it's unfair towards me because I give my all. I work 18, 20 hour days during the football season to get the be- give the best analysis that fuck- there fucking exists in the world. And I believe I do that right up there. I mean, I'll put myself betting DFS seasonal data uh, matchup analysis, film study. I'll put my resume and all that uh, broadcast skills, show dynamic. Uh, I'll put that against anybody in the world. Any, and I mean the fucking world, anybody, right? Anybody, any, any human being, any robot, any machine, any optimizer. I'll fucking, I'll put myself against them. Right. And I'll compare fair. I'm not saying I'm the best necessarily. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. But I'm in that conversation. I don't give a fuck what people think. And if you don't utilize that, that's on you. But if you know, and I don't have any problem being wrong. And I actually, secret to me, I actually enjoy when y'all are right. If I get something wrong and you guys still win, I'm fucking thrilled. Right. And that doesn't, this dynamic that you want to be better and stuff like that. Well, that's not true. I have 20 years of doing this and 14 on national radio. You're not going to be better, obviously. Right. And if you are, you'd be here in my chair. It's be, I Oh, Jeff, you're cocky. Well, sorry. It's just the truth, but I don't give a, who cares as long as you win. Isn't that the ultimate. And what I, my problem is, is all the after the fact motherfuckers, these motherfuckers were telling us, that we should that we were insane for not thinking Bryce Young was better than CJ Stroud. Everybody, I mean, dude, they all said it. They said that Jordan Love, there's no reason for the Packers to draft Jordan Love. How many of them were against it? Come on. You know, a bunch of you listening, you know you were 80%, man, 90% were against Jordan Love the entire fucking time. You sided with AA Ron. You know you did. You know that you did. And now you just jump on the bandwagon. How do you sleep at night? You know what I mean? Now, if you, I'm not talking to the ones that are like, yeah, I said it. Now, shit, I was wrong. I can't believe how good he is. Welcome in. No problem. But most of you just want to pretend like you didn't say it. I liked the Jordan Love pick. I loved the Jordan. I loved Jordan Love coming out of school. I loved the pick by the Packers. I said it was the exact blueprint that they were doing with that they did with Rodgers and Favre. And look how it is it's worked out exactly the same so far. Now, Jordan Love's not going to have the career Aaron Rodgers had. And it, it just there's a number of reasons for that, but that doesn't mean the Packers won't win more. Maybe the Packers do win more. They should. Aaron Rodgers wasn't really a winner. Right, he was an unbelievable, is unbelievable quarterback. He's not a winner. He doesn't do a lot of winning. That's the difference. But man, we gotta love that. And we're all shocked. And again, if you thought that was gonna happen, if you really believed in Jordan Love, you would have drafted him this year. You would have bet on him throughout the year. You would have bet on him and the and the Packers in this game. Now it's easy to say because they knocked off the 12 and 5 second seed in the NFC. Um, Aaron Jones, though, is Aaron Jones is the Packers offense. He is the offense. That's just plain and simple. They go as he goes. 
And how about Romeo Dobbs showing out too? Although I bet on Jaden Reed and he didn't give a fucking catch. That was un. All I needed was 25 yards from Jaden Reed, and I couldn't get a catch. That that's my betting weekend. It was not good. Down four units this weekend. But uh, nevertheless, that that's my takeaway. And from the Cowboys, who cares? I'm sick. The media gives too much attention to these fucks. They don't deserve it. Do something, and then we'll deserve it. But I'll I will tell you that. It's not a Dak Prescott problem. Dak Prescott threw for 403 and three touchdowns. He had a pick six or two pick sixes, actually. Three inter- or uh, one and another one that was an interception. But that, it's this is not a Dak Prescott problem. They scored 32 points. Where's the defense? I have a feeling Dan Quinn tanked this fucking game. They were playing six and seven defensive backs almost the entire way through. And meanwhile, Aaron Jones was fucking annihilating them on the ground. And Dan Quinn kept defensive backs in there. It didn't make any sense. I don't know what the thought process would have been going into it. The one thing, if you were going to try to stop Green Bay, you're going to say, all right, Jordan Love thrown off his back foot. That's I'm going to let him try to beat me. And he threw the ball 21 times. This is weird. Same number that C.J. Stroud threw. Almost same numbers too, right? But um, this was a ground game. If Aaron Jones, if Dallas stops the run, this is an entirely different ball game. And notice, they're, the Browns got down, they got blown out. The Dolphins got down early, got blown out. The Eagles got down early, got blown out. The Steelers got down early, yeah, they got blown out. Cowboys didn't. I don't want to make apologies for Mike McCarthy. I've never been a McCarthy guy. But to say that Dallas needs to tear it all down after this, I don't think is accurate. You're right. Still a 12-1 team. They beat a lot of inferior competition, of course, but you have to do that. And the, the thing is, maybe this, maybe it's stop saying Dallas is a competitor every year. Just stop saying it. Stop giving them so much fucking attention. Make them earn our attention. Make them stomp the door down. Stop glorifying it because Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman wore the fucking star on their helmet and they won Super Bowls. Stop acting like every Dallas quarterback is a big deal. Dak Prescott, top 15 in the league? I don't know. I I don't know. I don't have it. Ted and I, on uh, this week on SiriusXM, we did our franchise versus um, starter versus replaceable. Ted did give Dak Prescott a franchise tag. I did not. We both had eight quarterbacks. I gave one to Jordan Love. I didn't give one to Dak Prescott. I think Dak's a, a really good quarterback. All right, top 16, top half of the league. Yes. But he can't run anymore. He doesn't have the arm strength that other quarterbacks have in this league. And thus we see at times he gets beat, but this game, this game was not on him. I, I want to be clear on that. Um, other playoff game, then the Rams and lions. This was a great one. I still, like, another game. I lost this bet. I had the over 51 and a half. I don't know how it didn't go over. How the fuck did this game not go over? Just it, it's astounding to me that we got nine points in the second half of this game. Right? I needed 14 points in the second half to go over and win this bet. And nope, 
got nine. Gotta be fucking kidding me. Happy for the Detroit Lions. I really am. Huge win, signature win. Fans deserve it. What a great atmosphere it was out there in Motor City. Love seeing Eminem on the um, uh, pregame and during the game, that whole thing. It's just great to see Jared Goff get one over on Sean McVay and Stafford. Stafford and his wife need to shut the fuck up. The fucking whining with these guys. Holy shit. Just unbelievable amount of whining. Who cares? Whoa said what? You can't wear the jersey. Fuck off. You won a Super Bowl. You didn't do shit, by the way. That's another thing. Matt Stafford didn't do shit. He put up good numbers in Detroit. He also had Calvin fucking Johnson. Give me a break. He he opted out. He he left you. Get fuck him. Right? He chose to leave. Fuck him. Dan Campbell and company hosting division round. They're going to the NFC Championship game, folks. They are going to the NFC Championship game. It's going to be absolutely a pleasure to watch. And if somehow Green Bay pulls off an upset of San Francisco, they could be hosting that game. Be a party in Detroit this year, y'all. So, I mean, and then from the L.A. side, you know, <laughs> they have plenty of offense on this team. They'll be fine. I wouldn't. I'd be careful with Kyron Williams next year. He showed several times. Puka, too. Both these guys, Cup, Puka, they were all hurt. They constantly were off the field. And that's just a real problem for the Rams. Because when Kyron wasn't on the field, that production, that offense was dismantled. Same thing. They are very similar in that regard to fucking uh, San Francisco when Debo goes down or McCaffrey goes down. So be careful on that one. And then the Monday night games, the Bills and Steelers, Josh Allen overcoming everything. I talked about that one already. I'm glad that Mike Tomlin's staying in Pittsburgh. I I mean, listen, I, I want him in Chicago. I think Mike Tomlin's a tremendous head coach. I really do. But he did something about him with the Steelers that just makes sense. It just makes the most amount of sense. And and Buffalo, you know, Josh Allen, to get on my back and let's see how far. I'm just endlessly fascinated the fact that Josh Allen's doing all this without much help, if any, from Stephon Diggs. Now, he did have seven catches on nine targets against the Steelers, but he got 52 yards. It's Dalton Kincaid. It's Dawson Knox, Khalil Shakir. Running game of James Cook and Ty Johnson and Lat Murray, like, this is all Josh Allen, and next week it is like kryptonite coming to town. But this time it's in Buffalo, and I want to see Josh Allen overcome. I really do. I would love it. I would love to see him and the Bills move on to the AFC Championship game and defeat Patrick Mahomes finally. And that would just be a great thing off of his back. And I think winning that game, this next game, will show everybody and everybody will finally, it will change the gear in which you see Josh Allen. It just will. Trust me on that if they win. And then the Buccaneers, Eagles, wow. Stop with the Baker Mayfield stuff. Baker Mayfield's bottom five quarterback. Should he be a starting quarterback? Sure. But again, you don't want a bottom five starting quarterback. He just is. 
what else do you need to see from Baker Mayfield? Like I honest, like honest fucking question. What else do you need to see? You know, I don't, I really truly do not understand what else there is to see with him. You know, I, I mean, there's definitely been sparks. There's definitely been flashes, right? But this is a guy who's 29 years old. He's not a spring chicken. He's under six foot tall. He's not a mobile guy either. He's a pocket passer, but diminutive. Oh, by the way, you know, another guy that fucking, you know, played in that Oklahoma system, Lincoln Riley, right? I, I mean, come on, man. It's It's the same kind of shit. And there's no way that I would trust Baker to go. This was the Cleveland or Cleveland. This was the Philadelphia Eagles. Mind me, the Cleveland Browns. They were dead. This was dead team walking before anything. Right? This was a dead team walking. There, there was just no chance for the Eagles. Eagles were never going to win. And I'm sure we'll hear. Jalen Hurts has postseason surgery. I'm interested to see if Nick Sirianni gets canned. As of this recording, he has not been fired yet. But we'll see how it all goes because I suspect he may be. And I would never say that. A year after going to the Super Bowl, after being 10-1, and but something happened to the Philadelphia Eagles. right? And there are no injuries to tie into this. This team was 10 and one. And by the way, don't give me that. They had beat the Bucks earlier in the season. They beat the Rams earlier in the season. They beat the Dolphins earlier in the season. They beat the Cowboys. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Bills. This is not a team. It wasn't no fake 10 and one bullshit. They disintegrated down the stretch, right? They lost the Arizona Cardinals and New York Giants. They just Giants, uh, uh, oh, I think, that, no, they only lost once the Giants, right? Yeah, they split with the Giants. Giants was the only win, and they barely squeezed that one out. Something happened here, right? Something occurred, and Philly was just never the same. All right, so those are my recaps of this one. I want to dive in here and talk about my... NFL preseason predictions. It's always fun to go back and look at this. I mean, fun if you like kick, getting kicked in the balls, which is fine. I have no problem. I live with what I say. I, I am about transparency and also getting better, right? So back in, and for those who are regular listeners, episode 172, uh, back in August, I did a 2023 NFL predictions. And I just went through every division, told you what was good, what was bad. By the way, I want to do that too. I want to do a little best and worst today. I want to tell I'm going to go through each team and I'm going to just give a quick what was the best part of their season, what was the worst part of their season. All right, players, coaches, things, fans, whatever. It's just whatever comes to my mind. And none of this, I have none of this prepared. This is off the top of my head. All right. I'll start out with, so the AFC East. I predicted it was going to finish Dolphins, Bills, Jets, Patriots. 
I predicted that it was going to be Dolphins at uh, 12 and 5, Bills at 10 and 7, Jets at 9 and 8, Patriots 6 and 11. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers goes down. Um, Again, the Jets had two more, two less wins than I thought they would. So it wasn't that far off. Best part of their season was Rodgers going down. The worst part was when they put Tim Boyle and took Zach Wilson out. Incomprehensible that coaching staff should be wiped out. The Dolphins, I thought, would be the number one seed in the AFC, and they almost were. And it looked like they were most of the way through the season and then couldn't do it down the stretch. The best part of the Dolphins season was the breakout of Devon Achan, and that 70-point outing to Denver in Miami in week three was just the high watermark. No question about it. I'm going to say the low point of the season, the worst, was when it came out to Tyreek Hill. After all the stuff we saw in Hard Knocks, everything, him and his his lovely wife and got married and reformed, I actually had gone out and purchased my son a Tyreek Hill jersey, which I had never done before because I didn't like what he did previously with his kids, and I just wasn't a fan. I didn't want him wearing that shirt. And then I said, fuck it, I'll do it. And then all that shit came out. Uh, he's got like three more baby mamas and and all and I'm like, nope, same old motherfucker, same old fucking guy. I can't do it. And I I returned it, and I'm glad I did. That that was heartbreaking to me. I like I believe in reform. I believe in giving second chances, and that was it. Uh, the Bills, the best part of the season for uh for the Buffalo Bills, obviously that winning streak at the end. The worst part was signing Leonard Fournette. (laughs) I just can't get over that. And and the fantasy reaction to that was hilarious. The Patriots, I predicted for six and 11, they were four and 13. Um, Boy, there's not many bets, best parts of that. The worst part, easily losing Ramondre Stevenson this year. I'll say the worst, the best part of the New England Patriots season it was the defense down the stretch. And the fact that this defense was on point. I mean, they were they didn't allow over 280 yards of offense in any of their final seven games. That's crazy impressive considering they were dog shit for the first half of the season, right? They gave up over 280 in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They're eight of their first nine games. All right. And then didn't do it again over the last seven. Or gave up once, I'm sorry, over the last seven. Right. And that was to the Chiefs. AFC North, whew, way wrong. This one, I got to close. Uh, this one's terrible. I had the Bengals at 10, 10 and seven winning, the Browns at nine and eight. Hey. Browns in second place, not bad. I did have them missing the playoffs, which they were a playoff team, which is a bummer. Eight and one on the road for Cleveland, by the way, in the dog pound. Steelers at nine and eight. What do you know? <laughs> I had them for 10 and seven, or I had them nine and eight. They finished 10 and seven. The Ravens eight and nine. That's obvious. My biggest miss was the Ravens. I didn't think Todd Monken's offense would make that big a difference. Quite honestly, it didn't. It. I, I know that will be hard for some to understand, but the Raven, I underestimated the Ravens defense. Great, a full year of Roquan Smith. It just, I weigh, I whiffed on it, on how good that defense was going to be. The 
best part of the season for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, just Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson was the only quarterback that when he was the leader in the uh, in the MVP race, right, he was the only one to seize that by the hand, right? It was the Miami game when they scored 56 points and he's, he got five touchdowns. After they beat San Francisco on Christmas night, it was like, oh, this, this maybe they are the best team. Oh, shit. And then they went out and stomped the shit out of Miami. He got five touchdowns. He, he won the MVP that night on New Year's Eve. And the worst part, losing J.K. Dobbins. The Bengals' worst part, losing Joe Burrow. Best part was finding Jake Browning. I would do anything you can in the world to get Jake Browning, pay Jake Browning some good money to be the backup, even though he does not want to be a backup. And he came out and said it. Maybe Jake Browning's girlfriend's the best part for the, the Bengals. I'm sure a lot of you would agree with me on that. Uh, best part for the Browns, uh, finding Joe Flacco. Inserting Flacco after trying the Dorian Thompson Robinson, PJ Walker, Jeff Driscoll thing. And obviously the worst part's losing Nick Chubb. That's uh, just such a catastrophic thing for them. The Pittsburgh Steelers is there's so many worst so many worsts there that like it is unbelievable. They the worst was the stretch of games where they lost to the Cardinals, Patriots, Colts three games in a row to teams that were just dog shit. Absolute dog shit. Right? But the best part of the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers was finally letting Najee Harris be himself down the final four games of the year. Right? They finally let him be him. He scored four touchdowns, averaged over 100 yards per game down over the last four weeks of the season. And that's why he was your first round pick. He's still age 25. Let him cook. The AFC South, another one I got terribly wrong, although I blame the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars 11 and six, um, they were nine and eight. They had the division by two. They were up three games with five to play and couldn't close it out. I had uh, best part of the season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to be different here. I think the best part for the Jaguars is realize, is the loss to the um, Tennessee Titans, losing their final um, five games with Trevor Lawrence. Everybody needs to understand Trevor Lawrence. We can no longer just hand him the crown. He has to earn it. He has to do something. He has shown flashes. He is definitely not a bad quarterback. That's not what I'm saying. He just isn't good. And some quarterbacks need more time. But like he regressed this year. There's no other real way around it. Now, it wasn't a big regression, but we need to take, he needs to step up, not step back. All right. So that's the best part is realizing that maybe Trevor Lawrence can't be gifted everything. And maybe the other people on the team should be doing something. And listen, the best for the Jaguars is Calvin Ridley. All right. Ridley with thousand yards, eight touchdowns, wide receiver, 18 in fantasy football. So many people doubted him. They didn't after the first week. And then they all jumped on a bandwagon and they were all fucking wrong. 
Tennessee Titans, I had it nine and eight. Did I really? How the fuck did I? Wow. I never believed in the Titans. I didn't have them going to the playoffs, but I didn't think they were nine and eight. Boy, uh, finding Will Levis. Best part of the Titans season. Worst part is firing Mike Vrabel. I think that's the dumbest move. I can never remember a worse move from an organization, honestly. Byron Belichick is stupid too, but I think that's much more mutual than it is anything. And I thought Vrabel was just going to walk into New England. The fact that Mike Vrabel is still out there is astounding to me. All right. Um, Texans, I had at 6-11. Notice I had an improvement of the Texans, right? And I think they would have taken a 6-11 D'Amico Ryans. I mean, who knew? I had the Colts at 4-13, and though. Uh, I'll fully admit, I did not believe. Uh, I am so much more bullish on Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson. Uh, wow. Wow. And Jonathan Taylor is a first-round pick next year in this offense with Richardson. Mark my words on that, everybody. So uh, I think that the best part for Col- – they need to re-sign Michael Pittman, that's for sure. The best part for the, the Colts um, – you know, I, I don't – I think hiring Shane Steichen, I really – I think that the coach, we saw the difference it made down the stretch for the Eagles losing their offense coordinator. It turns out to be a hell of a good get for the Indianapolis Colts. And the worst part of the season happened before the year is that whole ordeal with Jonathan Taylor and Jim Irsay, and that, that was a mess. What an embarrassment for that organization, Right. But Colts running backs uh, in the um, Moss and Taylor, they combined for almost 1,600 yards, 12 touchdowns, 40-plus receptions, 400 more yards receiving, and three touchdowns. Boy, I'm in on Taylor next year. All right. Uh, And then the Texans, the best, obviously, the draft pick. Best thing is Lovey Smith winning that final game last year, which gave them the number two pick, lit. Carolina has traded its entire inheritance up for Bryce Young, and they just sit there and take C.J. Stroud. What an unbelievable get. And the worst thing for the Texans, I think just I think not featuring Damian Pierce more. Damian Pierce is not a bad running back. He's a pretty damn good running back. And he got hurt, and you let him lose his job to Singletary. There's a lot of times. I watched Devin Singletary get knocked down a yard, yard and a half, two yards short of a first down and thought, what the fuck are they doing? Got to get somebody who could pick up yards after contact. And I thought, should have used Damian Pierce more. The AFC West, another division I uh, got wrong. Yeah, um, I thought AFC was going to dominate. NFC was a better conference, as it turned out. I mean, that's shocking. I had the Chargers winning it 11 and 6. Turns out they were worse. They were Five and 12, one of the worst teams in the league. I had the Chiefs at 10 and seven, making the playoffs. I That's only one game difference, by the way. I had the Raiders, or the Broncos, nine and eight. They were eight and nine. Of course, they tanked the final three games, but whatever. And then the Raiders at six and 11, and that was an atrocity in and of themselves. Antonio Pierce, you know, the Raiders finished eight and nine, but with a plus one point differential. Um, Chiefs, best part of the season for them. Um, I'm going to say it's the best and the worst. Taylor Swift, 
Taylor Swift is the best thing that could have happened to Travis Kelsey. It's a wonderful thing for him, his life. Uh, it's a successful woman that obviously he's into. You can tell how happy the guy is, you know, and I know this is a sports show and all that, but believe it or not. And my, uh, I really, I talked to my subscribers over at fantasyguru.com about this all the time. In the man's cave discord room, we're hanging out watching games. I generally want everybody to find happiness and peace of mind. Cause I think that mental health is very important. I think emotional health is the bigger part of mental health. Right. And I, I think that's important. And unfortunately though, it comes at a cost and, Football was not nearly the most important thing to Travis Kelsey this year. And it showed on the field. And who knows if he even plays? This might be his last career game for Travis Kelsey going into uh, uh, Buffalo. So, you know, something to consider there. And I think so. I think the, I think the thing is great. And I think it's also the worst. Um, Rasheed Rice would be my backup. It's the great thing to happen to Kansas City. The... Raiders, best thing is Antonio Pierce. Not even a question. The worst part about it was both Josh McDaniels and Antonio Pierce not starting Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that was a, the Steelers, the Raiders could have usurped the Steelers and made the final wildcard team, been the final wildcard team if they had better quarterback play. Don't forget, this is a team that lost three to nothing. They they lost, they beat, or um, the Dolphins beat them by one score late in the game, uh, late in November under Antonio Pierce. Then they lost that three nothing game to the Vikings they should have had. I mean, they beat the, the shit out of the Chargers. They beat the Chiefs. They lose a heartbreaker to the Indianapolis Colts. Two of those games go a different way, and the Raiders are in the playoffs. And you cannot tell me that Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't have made a difference. He would have. Ain't no Connell, ain't it? Ain't no Connell's dog shit. The Broncos. Best part of their season was, um, the worst was that big loss in week three, because that's what everybody remembers. I'm going to say, though, best part for the Denver Broncos was, they're maybe beating Chicago, I believe, in week four. I think that was their opponent. They had an overtime win in week four, right after the 70-point loss, right? Then they go out and, um, yeah, it was, it was Chicago Bears. Look at me. And um, they won by three. It wasn't an overtime, evidently. I was wrong on that. But that was a big win. Now, they lost the next two games to the Jets and the Chiefs. But I just felt like, giving them that hope and beating up on a bad team propelled them. And obviously they win what four out of their neck after their one and five, they win four straight, five straight games and six out of their next seven and everything's going well. The worst part is when they bench Russell Wilson that, I mean, you Sean Payton really lost the team on that one, right? Now they played hard. Played, they got a win against the lowly Chargers. They played the Patriots tough, although you should have wiped the floor with them. It was a That was a bad move by Sean Payton. Regardless of what you think of Russell Wilson, he did not play poorly enough to be benched. That was a coward's way out. The Chargers, obviously, the best part of their season was firing Brandon Staley. 
The worst was losing Justin Herbert. That goes without any saying. The NFC side of the coin here. Um, well, I had some of this right. I actually, <laughs> wow. Uh, I had the Eagles, 13 and four. I thought they were the one seed and they were. I mean, they were 10 and one. I was three wins from this fucking one and they won one more fucking game. That's craziness. Right. So, and then I had the commanders making the playoffs at 10 and seven, the giants at eight. And I had the Cowboys six and 11. I was way off on the Cowboys. No question about it. I was just off. And the thing is the Cowboys even suffered defensive injuries and they still. Right. And it's weird because Tony Pollard wasn't as good as people thought. Brandon cooks wasn't as good as anybody thought. Um, Offensive line did play well. I thought they would regress. The defense, I thought, would be highly susceptible on the defense side. And it turns out they were, just not against their schedule. And, and you know, Cowboys defense got shredded like they did in the playoff game, but it, they just didn't have – they didn't go against tough enough competition, and that's a failure on my part. I just really whiffed on that one. You know, I, I really did. The Eagles' best part of their season was the tush push. I, But why do you only have one play? You know, the tush push is a magical play for the Eagles all season long. It was a fun thing for a long time, but when they did it and failed in Tampa Bay, it was perfect summary of their season. And the worst part was that secondary. Holy shit. Holy cow. Were they bad? I cannot believe how bad. And the funny thing is in, in the off season last, uh, over the summer, like we talked about these things. We talked about Bradbury. We talked about Darius Slay, right? It, we talked about that. They even traded for Kevin Byard. Uh, they had, they even brought in a safety. Nobody even remembers this. They drafted Keely Ringo <laughs> and they were atrocious in the secondary. That, that's the most stunning part of that. Um, Dallas Cowboys, Best part of their season is that they CD Lamb's breakout, man. CD Lamb, number one fantasy player, number one wide receiver, uh, everything. That connection between Dak and CD was real. There is no animosity. That's the biggest bullshit Kevin Burkhart nonsense ever. But as always, their playoff exit and the way it happened is obviously the worst part of their 2023 campaign, right? For the uh Giants. In here, finished six and eleven. I had them eight and nine, so a little bit less. Uh, best part of the season for the Giants. Uh, uh, I'll give it. I guess I'll give Tommy DeVito the credit. Like Tommy Cutlets had a nice little stretch there, but again, it's it. I don't like gimmicks. I really don't. Gimmicks are just dumb. They're just they're created to fool dumb people, and I've fallen for my fair share. Believe me. Um, but that you know. So that Tommy Cutlets thing was fine, right? I mean, don't forget, Tommy Cutlets beat Jordan Love middle of December, like on Monday Night Football. That was the the highlight of it. And then, of course, it all just fell apart, and then he gets replaced. And then, obviously, it's losing Daniel Jones. The Daniel Jones versus Saquon Barkley, it was a tumultuous offseason for both these guys. And somehow, they... Signed Daniel Jones. They gave him his extension. 
But then Saquon's not happy. They navigate those waters only for Daniel Jones to go down in week three. It's like, oh, Jesus. Like, what a just catastrophe that turned out to be. And then the commanders, um, Sam Howell. Sam Howell was the best part of the commander season, right? He he finished is one of the better off or quarterback. Now he limped down the stretch. He was quarterback five in fantasy football's latest week 14. Right. But then, and he also threw for the 12th most yards in the league this year through the 15th most touchdowns this year from a fantasy standpoint was QB 13 on the year. So Sam Howell, I mean, first year starting, I thought he did fairly well. I see the answer. No. And obviously you have a chance to get Drake May, who, by the way, Drake May replaced Sam Howell at North Carolina. So that's going to be a weird, hey, I remember you. But it also gives them a lot of familiarity and opportunity there to be the one-two punch at quarterback for and to build something in Washington. The worst part for Washington, was, the dumbest part was, I don't know why they traded away Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Well, we know why they traded away Chase Young. Chase Young fucking sucks. Let's just be honest. That was brilliant. And as a Chicago Bear fan, I'm thankful and very happy that they traded away Montez Sweat. But that was an idiotic fucking move. Wow, was that dumb. You know, Montez Sweat, first player in history to lead two teams in sacks. By the way, uh, there's a baseball equivalent. Anybody know the only... Baseball player ever to lead both lead both leagues in batting average. Maybe I'll ask Ray Flowers this one this week. He led both American and National League in batting average in the same season. He qualified at both. His name is Willie McGee. Did it for the Cardinals and for the Oakland A's in the same season. I remember that one um, very, very clearly right there. But yeah, it was uh, so anyway. Uh, happy to get Montez Sweat. You could have all the Chase Young you want, but not it for me. The NFC North, I had pegged relatively spot on, thankfully. Uh, Detroit, I had them 11-6. They were 12-5. and five. Packers, 8-9. They were 9-8. and eight. I had the Vikings at 8-9 and nine also, but they were 7-10. and 10. I had the Bears at 6-11, and 11, so I saw improvement out of Chicago, and I was stunned at how bad the Bears started out. But still, at the end of the day, Vikings and Bears, 7-10, only a minus 18 and minus 19 point differential, respectively. It's going to be a tougher division going forward. Lions are here to stay. Packers looked like they rebuilt in a half a season. Bears are going to be good next year. They're going, they're going to the playoffs next year. I've already predicted that. I'm sure of it. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Their schedule so fucking easy, it's incredible. And they have too much cap room. They're just going to, there's too much there. The Bears were a playoff team this year, quite honestly. Packers barely beat the Bears late on that in the season. That was their toughest opponent, even when Jordan Love was on his hot streak. Um, for the Lions, best part of the season. Um, man, there was so much good that happened for the Lions throughout the course of the season. I, I, you know, it, do I I don't want to just say oh, the playoff win because it just happened and it sounds like I'm just saying that off the top of my head. Um you know what? I'll say that I, I think the best moment was the week one 
victory in Arrowhead against the Chiefs. I thought that was they knocked off the the Packers at the end of last season. Like, oh shit, knocked them out of the playoffs and ended Aaron Rodgers' tenure there and all that. For them to come into that game at Arrowhead and the Chiefs had a lead in the fourth quarter and for Lions to come back and win, that kind of signaled, hey man, we're here. We're here now, like Coach Prime would say. Right. And then the worst part for the Lions, uh, I love Jameer Gibbs, but I still, I will stand by my thought. You should have never drafted Gibbs. Should have kept DeAndre Swift. I've done all the stat comparisons and they're the same guy. I mean, legitimately, everything's the same. And you had him. You could have had Jalen Carter. Think about how much better that defense is a trouble. The secondary in Detroit is trouble. And I don't think Baker Mayfield is enough, right? But San Francisco or Green Bay, that's going to be a real, real tough matchup. You're going to have to... Good luck stopping those guys with that secondary. The Packers, the best of the seed. Getting rid of Aaron Rodgers, best part. Just You cut out cancer. You beat cancer. It was tremendous. So they were playing with house money at the end. Losing Aaron Jones after week when late in the fourth quarter in week one. That was the worst part of the Packers season. Best for the Vikings. Um, best was like that Josh Dobbs victory. Right? Josh Dobbs fell off the face of the earth down the stretch, obviously. But that first game, right, where he came out and, you know, they got down early and Jaron Hall was supposed to start after Kirk Cousins went down or thought, oh, shit, they're in, you know, so much trouble. And for the Vike, for Josh Dobbs to come in in one week and lead a comeback win against the Atlanta Falcons, who at that point, Falcons were a hot team. And that was a monumental moment for the Vikings. I think the the worst part was losing cousins and Jefferson and Hawkinson. You want to talk about getting your, your shit pushed in. Holy cow. Um, Bears best part of the bears season. Uh, it's hard to say that when it was, you know, a, a big disappointment. I, I think that watching Carolina's defense or fall to get that number one pick, if that's possible, I'll take that. The acquisition of Montez Sweat was the best for the Bears. The worst was that when people started singing the praises of Tyson Bagent, Bagent, you know that that was really bad. Bagent playing fields, that was the worst. Because that was just nonsensical bullshit. NFC South. I had the Falcons winning it and it looked halfway through the season like they were going to. And obviously Arthur Smith's out of a job for a reason. Uh, I had the Falcons 10 and 7, the Saints 10 and 7, the Panthers 7 and 10, and the Bucks 6 and 11. So I missed on the Bucks. I thought the Panthers were a surprise team. I said it. I gave way too much credit. I what I really got wrong. My biggest miss the whole year was the coaching staff in Carolina. I thought they were, I thought Frank Reich and all they had so many veteran coaches, but all the I've never seen such a consensus group of coaches that literally didn't give a shit that hated that team. 
And I really think it all stems from the draft pick of Bryce Young. I, all the pictures we laughed at in training camp with Bryce Young stand, I think all the coaches knew it, saw it, knew it. And that's why they, they wouldn't replace him. They should have, remember when they let Andy Dalton start that game against Seattle and did they win? They didn't win because they were winless for most of the season. Uh, they beat Houston some fucking how. But like Carolina, that was a good like outing, right? They showed well against the Seahawks at that point. And that was only week three. Holy shit, I thought it was like week six. Nevertheless, uh, that's when they should have sat Bryce Young down, and they never did. They let him go out. That's when Frank Reich lost the team and everybody fell apart. So uh, Panthers uh, trading, making the trade is obviously the worst part of the season. Best part is that Bryce Young got a win over C.J. Stroud. He'll be able to hang that on his mantle like the Colts did when they made the AFC playoff berth that one time. The um, Falcons, best part of their season was drafting B. John Robinson with the eighth pick. That was the best part of the season. The worst part of their season was not utilizing him. The headache game was the worst. The headache game against Tampa Bay was it. That was it. That, if you want to point to one moment in time when the Atlanta Falcons lost their season, that was it. And by the way, they won that fucking game. They won the game on a last second Young Hoku field goal, if I'm not mistaken. And that's Arthur Smith thought at that point, he truly, really believed that I, he could do no wrong. They were four and three at that point. Fuck everybody. Well, they lost their next three, including the Titans, the Vikings, and Cardinals. Ah, that's just dog shit to lose all three of those games. And he just, his refusal to use B. John Robinson at the most important time was incomprehensible. So there, also the loss of the Panthers. Nine to seven in weeks of 15. That was another low moment for the Falcons. The Saints. Um, you know, <laughs> the Saints had that season that nobody in history will ever remember. And it's what I tell my members over fantasyguru.com. Don't ever be the Saints from 2023. You don't want to be this non-memorable. Right? You just don't. I think the best part was... Alvin Kamara coming back and almost getting his 81 receptions in just 12 games. Like I thought that was uh, 75 catches in 13 games. I'm sorry. Uh, that was impressive um, from out of him, but he slowed down, down the stretch. He was 28 years old. He's going to be 29 next season. I think that's dangerous territory. So that's the most notable thing. Um, the worst part of the season was the constant use of the 33-year-old Taysom Hill. Can't play quarterback, can't play tight end, can't play running back or receiver, so let's use him as all three. And I think that's why Pete Carmichael is looking for a job as we speak. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, Todd Bowles and his staff deserve immense credit. I didn't have faith in them whatsoever. Um, best part of the season was that monster game by... Mike Evans, right? I felt like that was a moment where Mike Evans just took shit over 
and was not going to be, and that was a game against the Carolina Panthers, which they only won by three points, right? That, that time for me was like, all right, Mike Evans is here and Baker knows he can trust him and do what Tom Brady did. Just throw the deep ball. And Evans dropped a lot of them this year. He did. He dropped one in the playoff game last week, but my God, is that dude consistent, right? He had the, Second, third most yards he ever, third most yards he ever had in a season. Second most touchdowns he ever had in a season. You know, everything else was spot on. 79 receptions right there. Last four years, 77, 74, 70, 67, only 13 games, right? Like, geez, just unbelievably productive, Mike Evans. And the worst part for Tampa Bay, the secondary, they couldn't get the secondary going. Carlton Davis, Jamal Dean was healthy most of the season. Davis was constantly questionable and never and end up not playing much at all this year. But it was the guys behind him. Isaiah, the slot corner was an absolute sieve. Um, Zion McCollum was absolutely awful there as well when he filled in for Carlton Davis. So they have a lot of work to do. Antoine Winfield had good tackle numbers. You know, it's got the the blitz was fantastic with Antoine Winfield, um, all of that. And yet he had some terrible fucking coverage errors on the season. And to me, that whole back half was just the worst part. And then we get to the NFC West. This one had it pretty good. 49ers, obviously. Um, I had at 11 and six, they were 12 and five. I had the Seahawks at nine and eight. I had them making the playoffs. Rams eight and nine, and the Cardinals three and fourteen. The I was one game off on the Cardinals, one game off on the 49ers, and then flip flop the Rams and Seahawks. And that was pretty much it. Um, the 49ers, the best part of their season, boy. I think that Brock Purdy being healthy. You know, Brock Purdy being healthy was just because I went into the season thinking we were going to get mostly Sam Darnold. I really did believe that. You know, I thought that was a flash in the pan. It's coming off a of UCL. There's too much, there's too much negatives around Brock Purdy. I just did not believe no fucking way. And I mean, had shouldn't, he's not, and shouldn't be the MVP, but he had an MVP type of year. Right. And kudos to him and an amazing job there. To me, that's the best part. Worst part of the season, um, you know, it, it's difficult because they had such a great run, right? There wasn't really many negatives to the season. I suppose that three-game stretch when they lost the Browns, Vikings, and Bengals going into the bye week. And then Kyle Shannon comes out of the bye and kicks the shit out of the Jaguars and goes on another five-game winning streak, six-game winning streak, and it's all there, but that that down spell, right? They scored 17 points three games in a row and lost by two points, five points, and 14 points in those three weeks. And that was the worst part for the 49ers. The Rams' best part of the season was the finding of Kyron Williams. I identified him in August for our subscribers at fantasyguru.com, and I... Finally, letting Kyron take over, letting anybody take over. You know, it's been a long time since since Todd fucking Gurley. 
I think that's the thing we forget. I, I mean, I didn't forget, but I we start after a while, you start forgetting these things exist. Sean McVay running backs are very valuable in fantasy. The problem is it's been a mixture of fucking uh, Cam Akers and, and Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson, um, yeah, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown, who had like five touchdowns, you know, back then. And, you know, it, it's just been a big hodgepodge ever since Gurley left. And they finally have a guy. Now, I do not believe Kyron Williams will be the lone wolf in that backfield next year. I just think he's too diminutive and he's, he, we saw him break down in the playoff game, get hurt. I think that's a problem. But that was the best part of this season for them. The worst part for uh, is Cooper Cup. I'll just say the whole the Cooper Cup went in with high hopes and finding Puka Nakoa. Like I, I shouldn't, I don't want to undermine Puka, right? The the thing that people will have a hard time with and have had a hard time with with Puka was that like Puka, the bulk of his production came when Cooper Cup was out. You know, those first four weeks were just insane, right? I just just had insane games. You're talking about like 50 targets in four games. Come on, man. That's ridiculous. 500 yards, two touchdowns. Like, dude, that was incredible. And then, you know, Cup got there and it slowed down massively. Now picked up at the end, once again, when Cup was banged the fuck up. I think Cooper Cup's the worst part. And I think it, you know, he's a the oldest 30-year-old receiver I think I've ever seen. Just he appears ancient. Seahawks. Best part of the Seahawks season was that game against Dallas when they opened it up, gave it to DK Metcalf. Threw deep to DK Metcalf and let him just the fast that was the fastest recorded time of any player this year, according to next gen analytics. And they didn't win that game, but they held, they fought it out. That was a Thursday night game against the Dallas Cowboys. It was a big, and the worst part is sticking with Geno after, after Drew Locke got him that victory on what Monday night football against the Eagles, right? That, that game going back to Geno Smith. Oh, oh, is all I got to say. Um, and then that's it, right? The Cardinals, the only one best part of the Cardinals season. I thought the upset of the Cowboys in what was that week three? That was the best part. Like that was a little, that was a telling moment. They beat up on them, scored 28 and having Josh Dobbs in there for that period of time, knowing to trade Josh Dobbs was also low key. Excellent from the Arizona side of things. And the fact that, you know, getting Kyler Murray back, letting them play half the season. And listen, 10 touchdowns, five interceptions, uh, 1,800 yards, you know, 225 yards a game, an 89.4 quarterback rating, uh, you know, his first year back from major ACL surgery, I thought is very telling. And the fact that uh, he, he rushed for 244 yards and three touchdowns in those eight games, also very telling 30 plus yards a game. We'll take that. And with the fourth pick, the Cardinals 
Listen, I want the Bears to get Marvin Harrison Jr. But if they don't, it's going to be the Cardinals. And I'll take that as a consolation prize anytime. So there you go. All right. I know I have a lot of time to get into the uh, – uh, I've already talked about the divisional round. Listen, I don't – I think the the best game is Kansas City-Buffalo. Um, I think Baltimore will handle Houston really easily. And I think that Detroit will handle Tampa Bay really easily. I think that Green Bay-San Francisco – I think San Francisco will, will win this game. Uh, I, I think – Jordan Love throwing off his back foot's going to eventually – you can't loft the ball like that. San Francisco's just going to be too good. And I think that's – help. you're helping the defense by doing that because San Francisco can be beat by strong-arm quarterbacks. So you need to unleash it. If Jordan Love has a good game, I guarantee he's not doing those floater passes off his back foot like he did the last couple games. But again, I do think 49ers end up winning that game. Kansas City-Buffalo – it's hard to pick against Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, and it's hard to bank on the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen in the playoffs. But that's what I'm going to do. I think the Bills shed the monkey, and they finally beat Mahomes, and Mahomes will have to go into next season with that chip on his shoulder saying, well, yeah, you win when it's the Arrowhead Invitational. You don't, you can't win on the road in the playoffs. I think that's something that will – uh uh, f- light his fuse going into 2024. So there you guys go. Remember, fantasyguru.com, all the latest and greatest NBA season is upon us. Full coverage. Our team is amazing. Just Fenceman, Armando Marcel, Scotty B, Scott Bonder, Mike the Beard, Chris Rose, myself. I'll do bets every single stinking day in NBA going forward as well. Rest of the season NFL package available to you. Just upgrade. Get the VIP for fuck's sake just go get vip platinum that way all of our elite plus podcasts we got things in the work for soccer and nascar and hockey gonna be a great year everybody thank you for tuning in thank you for making this show part of your daily or weekly sojourn thanks to my producer sean angle you may disagree with some or maybe every damn thing that you heard in today's episode and folks that's perfectly okay because it was just one man's opinion you know that we'll see you next time everybody Deuces!